Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. Yo, mi gente, what's going on, my friends? Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Talking to my good friend today, editor Matt Colonna, whose recent work includes Lock and Key and Narcos for Netflix, Castle Rock for Hulu, and is currently working on The Old Man for FX, which stars Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow. He was nominated for an Emmy in 2010 for outstanding single camera picture editing for a drama series for his work on Showtime's Dexter. Matt's also got an extensive music background that ranges from writing original music for Dexter to laying down beats for the Black Eyed Peas to mixing it up as music supervisor on a few indie features. I got to work alongside Matt on a show recently, and one of the things that I learned about him is that he is someone who's always looking out for his team. So today, we're not only going to dive deep into the role of music in editing, but also into the importance of standing up for yourself in the workplace. Really excited about this one, guys. Check it out. Episode 5 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast with editor Matt Colonna. If the term rockstar editor ever applied to anyone, it's Matt Colonna uh, because... You are a rock star and you are an editor. So therefore you are a official rock star editor, man. Matt, what's okay. up, dude? I'm glad oh, you're here. Much, man. It's been oh, a dude, while. It's a pleasure to be here. I haven't I mean we've been shooting texts and stuff, but I haven't actually chatted with you in a while, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, dude. Just you know, just chilling, trying to, you know, live life easy, you know, during these <laughs> crazy times that was a nice introduction by the way thank you <laughs> <laughs> we're, we were definitely going to get more into that man because uh it actually does apply to to simply the music aspect and editing and i i think uh you know i think a lot of musicians are editors so want to dive uh kind of deeper into that but before i do it before anything like i told you i mean i we, we met on a gig uh i think you know, a year ago or not i mean and uh we had a great time it was fun and i and i got to know you a little bit and uh but we always talked about everything else we uh geeked out on coffee obviously uh, <laughs> and i think yeah, we, we, just, we yeah. just made some right before this i, I drank so much coffee in that gig <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, I think even, even you said it, man. Like, I think I had too much today. I mean, like when Matt Colonna says he has too much coffee, that means it's like too much. <laughs> so I always wanted to talk to you actually about editing because I it, honestly, initially, when I saw Narcos for the first time, your name came up a lot. And I was like, who's this Matt Colonna guy? And then, <laughs> and then, no, and the thing is, I started watching Parenthood and then I saw your name on like, Matt Colonna. He cuts Narcos and then he's on Parenthood. I kind of, uh, yeah, I found yeah. that I found that very interesting because they're obviously completely different shows, and yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, always wanted to talk to you about editing. I don't think I ever got the chance to do it, so we're gonna do it here today. And uh, thanks for being here, man. And initially, I just want to know, man. So just tell me about how you got into editing, man. I want to kind of know more about your your origin story and um, want to hear how you got into into editing. It's not much different than I think a lot of our peers. You know, I mean, I I started off, you know. <laughs> There was always uh, an understanding that, you know, after high school, if I was going to, like, uh, maintain the support of my parents, <laughs> that, you know, I'd probably have to, like, you know, you know, start to earning my keep and whatnot. So, uh, you know, so knowing I was going to be at university bound at some point, I mean, I, I sort of took the, the long route. I mean, I didn't like go straight from high school. I did like, you know, two and a half years at a JC. Um, and you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, play music, I'm a musician and that, that was always coupled with what I was doing. In fact, that probably took more precedent than, than the film stuff. And I mean, and it, you know, I, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but to a certain extent, I kind of, took for granted what I was doing school wise, just because it was like, you know, I was, you know, young and I'm following my, my passion and, you know, trying to become this musician slash rock star or whatnot. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, I just made my way, came to time to transfer and, um, you know, my sister had attended Loyola and just uh, looking through the various film schools at the time, 
that that was a good fit. Long story short, uh, ended up transferring to there, and that was great because that was just you know I, I transferred undecided, but it was a uh, it was basically my task to try to make it into the film program. And and at that time, I don't know what their enrollment is like now, but at the time, all the like ninety plus percent of the the newcomers to the film program were all straight out of high school. So I'm, you know, I'm sitting here more in my early twenties now going like, okay, shoot, like I got to really knock it out of the park with these classes. So I, you know, I, I just went to town, you know, I mean, I, I basically, you know, I was by myself in a dorm. So I just, you know, I had a sense of what filmmaking was and, and in, including post-production. I mean, at that time I didn't know it, but anytime I went into a studio and tracked music, you know, I was involved in post-production and I just never really acknowledged it at that time. You know, you know, I ended up doing really well in my film classes. I was able to, to merge into the film, um, the film school at LMU, uh, graduated roughly and oh, not roughly, but I graduated in 96. Uh, actually, technically, I owe some units, but, <laughs> but I went through the ceremony. And my parents were there. We got the photo. That's what counts. That That's what counts. Yeah, you know. But, uh, you know, going back to my music background, uh, having, you know, just the PC at home and computer knowledge, you know, my dad's an engineer and having spent time in, in studios, like I'd, I'd already become accustomed to cutting on, you know, Windows-based stuff like Cakewalk or stuff like that. And, you know, and once I got introduced to Avid, I was like, "Oh, like this is this is kind of literally what I'm doing, you know, in in my dad's office, you know, on on his PC, minus the the, the, the video layer portion of it. The, the The prospect of getting on these big features, which I was aiming to do coming out of film school, was not. I don't know. Like I was just not, I mean, I'd stumbled into contacts and met some people, but I was not finding a lot of work, you know, basically going down that road. So, you know, and TV just seemed like, Oh, like, you know, this, this isn't bad, you know? And I I feel like a lot of times I made it, I hit it off with editors because, you know, I was, I was really passionate about what I wanted to do. And, and a lot of what I was doing musically sort of ended up resulting uh, becoming instinct when it came to, you know, storytelling, you know, uh, in, in, in the TV realm, you know, but it, but it's, it's, but it's, it's still the same thing for the most part. I mean, I feel like the one thing that's never changed is the storytelling process. You know I mean? It's like, I, I've worked on a lot of shows where we want to try to do different things with telling a story, but it's, you know, it's, it's sort of laying it out there in the most effective way, you know, whether it's really creative or really simple is the way to go, essentially. I mean, and that, and that can mean a myriad of things, you know, as, as you well know. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Like you said, there's this idea of like, you know, I, I, a lot of people don't know really what happens, what goes behind editing. A lot of people think it's just you're cutting things together. I'm like, I, I, I've discovered now, I think, I think the bigger part of it is managing the room and managing the politics. You're like a therapist in there. I mean, it's like Absolutely. there's and these things, and I hear this often, th- this does not get taught at any school. Or oh, this no. is, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, oh, yeah, absolutely. Can you uh, talk about like how you've, I guess, over the years you've done this, how you've learned to handle the politics? And, and what does that mean when someone says the politics in the room? Well, I mean, for starters, you know, it's it, it, it's definitely part of the process because a lot of times if I get hired on the show, I'm, you know, for argument's sake, I'm, I'm hired by the showrunner. So that's that we're talking about a writer or creative person, you know. And, you know, from then I, you know, get introduced to the other producers and, you know, and it remains to be seen from when you start until when you end, if the people who are hiring you are actually going to be the ones, you know, that you're calling your bosses, you know, on your last day of work, because, you know, anything can happen. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, in a simple sense, I mean, you, you just got to sort of like, roll with the punches sometimes you got to know your place or when to say something and when not to say something uh but you know i i define you know just dealing with the political aspect of stuff and is you know dealing with the personalities for the most part and being sort of uh god like a, a an ambassador of you know of the show you're working on you know i mean there's many shows where like i you know sometimes you know when i got hired on lock and key you know, it was a quick turnaround. They needed someone right away because they had someone fall out. Uh, and I never worked with a post producer before. never worked with showrunners before. I mean, I never worked with anyone on that show before. Uh, but in turn, I made some really good friends. Uh, one of the editors, Paul Trejo, was 
amazing. Love that guy. Uh, and the showrunner, uh, uh, great people. Uh, but you know, you, it's, it's like feeling out of a new relationship, you know, I mean, you know, you, you gotta hope for the best. You gotta hope for the fact that you're all going to be on the same page, you know, but if there's a disagreement, you know, you got to hope that there's going to be an understanding that, you know, you're, you're both willing to work, you know, work it out and, you know, ultimately, you know, be treated fairly too, which I feel like a lot of times, a lot of people just forget in the, in the, in the, you know, the process of self-sacrificing them, you know, themselves to like, you know, move up or, you know, become an editor quickly or, or whatnot. And, you know, and, and through that process, you get to realize who are the bosses you want to work for and who the bosses you don't want to work for, because I mean, some, some bosses are great, but you know, you know, they'll, you, you'll be working a lot of hours necessarily, or, you know, it's, or, you know, sometimes you're dealing, you know, sometimes people, you know, I, I feel like because they're so involved in writing the show, it, it becomes an extension of that person's personal life, you know, and, and, you know, the vast majority of people I've worked for have been extremely professional in maintaining the fact that, you know, they could be having a good day or a bad day, but they're always going to sort of be consistent in, in how they treat you. I mean, you know, and dealing with the politics is sometimes, you know, you, you like working for someone and you're having a good time on the show, but you know, you know, it's like a parent or, you know, a spouse where it's like they might have some shortcomings that, you know, could be deemed offensive to some people or or, you know, or 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 it could be the opposite or, you know, you feel like you're not getting enough information from them verbally and you're you're sort of struggling to, to figure out, you know, what you're what you're trying to do for this person, you know. Um, so, yeah, a lot of that is just. I find, you know, just from a personality standpoint, sort of being even keeled, like being able to address, you know, who you're dealing with, um, you know, and, you know, I, and I feel you want to start off all these shows being optimistic and being the one who's going to like, you know, help them through whatever crisis. And, you know, and, and I feel like most of the time it's, it, it's a good marriage. You come out of it and, you know, you, you, you make friends, you know, with showrunners and other people, the, the, you know, from the different departments and whatnot. And I mean, that's essentially how, you know, your network grows, you know, but, um, but yeah, you know, you could be involved in shows where, you know, you know, the, the, you know, the person you're working with or hired to use jobs on the line and, you know, and you got, you know, studio reps coming in, you know, and, you know, I mean, it just a lot of it is just maintaining a sense of professionalism and, you know, civility, you know, I mean, because there's I feel like there was more of a time where, you know, there was an acceptance and people, you know, being quote unquote passionate, you know, you know, but which could make them hard to deal with, you know, as far as like whether they were your boss. I mean, I feel like now I feel like it's generational and I think it's getting better, too, where. You know, and and, and and there's more shows. So there's, you know, there's more showrunners now. And there's, you know, there's quite frankly, I think a lot of people who are getting in the position of being showrunners because they're talented and they're up and coming and they rely on, you know, guys like me now or, you know, people like me who've been invested for so many years who've kind of been through the ups and downs to be like, hey, like, you know, we're good. You know, we, you know, we can, you know, we can make it through this or, or sometimes, you know, just having to give them the news, like, Hey, like we're not going to be able to make this work the way you're pitching it, you know, cause we don't have that footage. You know what I mean? Cause that's, uh, it's, it, it does, it does amaze me sometimes how like we can look at footage over and over and over sometimes. And, you know, yet I'll still get pitches or notes to things that like, the footage is not accommodating. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, so it, it, those, those kind of things, you just got to sort of roll your eyes and be like, okay, like, you know, let's, let's get back to square one and revisit. <laughs> you know, I mean, you were a, a touring musician. And so you, you have a yeah. strong background. You still record music now. You still play. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we got a lot, I got a lot of music on to Dexter, actually original music. A lot of, I mean, the more editors I talk to now, a lot of them are, are, musicians especially drummers and like bassists yeah, yeah. obviously because it makes, rhythm, sense. makes sense the rhythm section yep, absolutely yeah, well, yeah, yeah i mean like um i mean i i i played guitar you know but still i was yep. i originally wanted to be also i got into really uh recording i wanted to be an engineer um yeah but uh what is it how is that music or just rhythm tied to editing and did people notice that you recognize you for your you know say sound work or music temp music work 
I feel like, you know, when I get hired because of my music merits, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm grateful, but I, I, I feel like a lot of times there's, you know, maybe a slightly superficial component to, to just describing it as that. Cause I mean, uh, I, I, I think in the short term, it, it's about like laying in the right cue at the right time. It just in a nutshell, which, you know, I feel like, you know, well, it's easy for a lot of people to say, um, you know, but what I found at least rhythmically in cutting uh, nuance specifically for editorial, like, you know, I, I find sometimes I've been able to make my way through certain couple of couplets of edits um, because of the timing. I mean, a lot of times, you know, if, uh, you know, I get a scene, uh, you know, from some, someone else, or maybe it's my assistant or someone, you know, a, a lot of times like, the, where they're cutting or, or what they're cutting to is, is, you know, probably the right thing, but just rhythmically it's off, you know I mean? And, and a lot of times you're sort of stuck with not having a lot of footage and, you know, I, I wish I could drop a specific example right now, but a lot of times just giving the timing of when you're cutting to something and cutting off is, you know, sometimes it's just alleviated huge notes, you know, and God, I wish I could, it's probably going to come to me after we got off the, this call, you know, but uh, which, you know, I, I started to realize, oh, like this is more of a, you know, th this is more of a, a musical thing. You know, I'm, I'm sort of like, particularly when you can control the tempo of edits in a sequence, which I feel like we do probably a little more sometimes depending on what show, you know, in television where, you know, you get coverage and you're kind of expected to a certain extent to like use most of it, whether, you know, you agree or not or whatnot. But, you know, but a lot of times, you know, I get notes after first passes and they're like, oh, we got to move this along. And that tells me, OK, they they need that cadence to be imposed on them. You know, they're not allowing me on this show to like live in the beats that I feel are, are being made towards the story. They need me to impose a uh, a tempo so that so that he feel it's 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 constantly engaging. You know, what I mean, like like the following would have been an example where we just did that to an extreme where like we were making edits like, you know, every time someone eye blinked. I mean, it was like edit, 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 edit. I mean, to the point where, you know, it, it kind of would agitate you and maybe sort of put you on the edge of your seat. And, you know, as a byproduct editorially, it was it was a good effect for the show because the show is kind of a creepy show and, you know, it, you sort of need to feel uneasy while you're watching it, you know? Um, but, you know, something like, uh, the hot zone, you know, we had worked on, you know, I remember one of the, I mean, I, I get the pace note every time, every time, particularly on a pilot, you just, you, you, you know, they're going to give a pace note. And, you know, that just sort of means, uh, you know, kind of, you know, just, just, uh, kind of bumping everything up, you know, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times, particularly on pilots, you know, they don't want to lose people and it, and it varies depending on what studio you're working on or working with. I, I feel, uh, that that's been my experience, you know, whereas, you know, they, they start to feel like the show sedentary because you're living in a shot, you know, and, you know, and, and at which point you're a good sense of rhythm will definitely help you through that. You know, I mean, a lot of times means just, going through your cuts and tightening them up, you know, I mean, and, and even, even mechanically, when I look at the timeline, sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll be maybe playing a shot, you know, whether it's a wide shot, certain period of time, and then you end up cutting to couplets, you know, like maybe close up, you know, to one actor, then close up to the person he's looking back and then maybe to a medium shot or wide. And a lot of times that couplet, those two edits, a lot of times the same length, you know, what I mean, it's unless you're trying to draw out a specific reaction or something, you know, so, uh, you know, what I mean, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, I can sort of look back at a scene, even look at the edits and be like, oh, like, look at that. That's very akin to like, you know, you know, a staff of music, you know, and, and just seeing, you know, oh, this looks like a bunch of 16th notes here. You know, oh, right here we transitioned to eighth notes, you know, and then, oh, we held for a whole notes here. And then, you know, all of a sudden the banter got quick and we we're back to six, 16th notes, you know. So that's, you know, and it's funny, too, because I'm a big fan of uh, Tex Avery and a lot of his classic uh, cartoons. And, uh, and you know, just being a kid growing up to Warner Brothers, you know, the old wartime cartoons, I mean, everything was done you know, all the edits were made, handed down from music on down. Like, you know, editors were basically 
sort of knew where they were going to cut based on, you know, the staff of music, you know what I mean? So it's, so it's kind of always been part of, you know, what, what we've been doing, you know what I mean? It's just, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, people listen to music and they think rhythm, they don't necessarily watch TV or movie and think, think rhythm. You know what I mean? I think a lot of, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what people are thinking, <laughs> but, but, but I, I know, I know I'm thinking that when I'm going, I mean, I even, even when I'm sitting in a wide shot sometimes and, you know, and, and again, we're typically working in scripted TV where, you know, you do have some creative play, but then, you know, you, you do know, you know, you, you could feel the note like, you know, creeping up in the back of your mind that like, okay, Okay, like if I sit in this shot another five seconds, I know I'm gonna get a note. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You already but, know. You know yeah. But we but then there'd be shows like Narcos, which you could know, do nowadays where sometimes I'm going like, Wow, like you're gonna make me roll this shot like all the way out. <laughs> like like fuck yeah, let's <laughs> do that, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so that's that that's what's cool too. I mean, it's that's you know, you know and then you know, I mean you know, the, 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 you know, the, 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 sort of knowing, you know, certain basic rudiments of music, you know, like minor major key, you know, sort of knowing if you're, you know, if I'm working on, you know, a show that's perky and light, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to be finding scores that are more in a major key. You know, if, if I'm looking for chase scenes, you know, you're probably maybe looking for something more percussive, you know I mean? I feel like, I feel like a lot of these, genres live in certain wheelhouses musically, you know, to a certain extent, you know, uh, it's fun sometimes when you're tasked to like do something completely different, like do something that's not, you know, what you would typically do in certain cases. Like that's that, that we would do that on Dexter sometimes where sometimes, you know, it's show about serial killers, but there'd be like some quirky game show type music you'd get to use for like a little montage or something, you know, well, I remember watching. I remember watching your your editor's cut for the for the hot zone, the pilot. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember the first scene. You the the way you scored it and cut. It, I mean, it was like. I mean, I already knew you were into music, but I mean, I just like you could see that you just had a great sense of rhythm. You picked just the perfect track for you know the temp score. Oh yeah. And, it, and then and then and then also later down the line, there was this one scene where you put in a a, a temp track. It was a old Soundgarden song. I remember. Uh-huh. And I was like, first I was like, yeah, dude, this this guy knows what's up because I love song, obviously. <laughs> but it was the right, but it was just it was the right Soundgarden song, you know. It was it was like an older oh, cool. track, you know. But what is uh, your process, I guess, to when when choosing temp score, or, you know, choosing needle drops? I mean, like, is it do you have like do you know kind of what films or bands to reference, or do you you know what is or do you kind of as you go kind of start listening to stuff? Absolutely. No, I, I mean, I, I think what I'm doing most of the time is I'm considering tone, you know, uh, you know, whether that be a needle drop or a piece of score or whatnot. I mean, usually, you know, when I get a script and I'm going to a new show, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going out of my way to try to think of what musically could be a part of it. Just, just so that when I know it comes time to like hand over the cut, I've at least, I've at least displayed that, you know, I've sort of conceptualized what everyone's been talking about and, and also like bringing into it what I feel is sort of my own thing, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I guess I, I view it as I'm, I'm more concerned about what the tone is, you know, and then, cause it, it, again, it's all stemming back to story, you know, cause even, even sometimes like, uh, you know, not to keep referencing narcos, but to, you know, when we sort of had like some of these lofty kind of openings, a lot of times it's been the result of, you know, playing into the story or doing something counterintuitive to the story actually helped the storytelling in, in, in that moment. You know what I mean? Cause, uh, like I, I think, uh, like, uh, it was like one of the better episodes, episode season two, uh, Andy directed it. And we had like a, uh, I don't know if it was scripted to even start off as a dream, but you know, he shot it to, to, you know, basically have this dream sequence opening, but it, it felt the edit felt a little too telegraphed. It was just sort of like, you know what? I, I already know we're in a dream, like the first few seconds of the thing. So then we, uh, you know, I, I sort of threw this, he gave me some, some B roll that I ended up actually pulling together as a sort of dream within the dream. So that we sort of, we were sort of playing into the idea that people knew what was going on, you know, knowing that this was sort of some, some fantasy or something, but then trying to like pull out the rug out from underneath them 
Uh, and then that member, I remember using like, you know, this r- nice romantic piece of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, guitar music. And it's like, you know, Pablo just out there, like in the woods, like, you know, just smelling the scenery and everything. Like it, it, it reeks of a, you know, of a dream sequence. But it, you know, and no, knowing we were sort of going to do like something different, it was like, oh, I'll play into the, uh, you know, the cliche a little bit. And, you know, because that'll, that'll actually help you know, sort of do the reveal of, of the double dream kind of thing, you know? Um, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, when, I mean, when I was on Dexter, you know, they were using a lot of just Cuban stuff season one, which is great. Cause that's very indicative of, of Miami. Uh, but this, that, that was a show where I, you know, did a lot of stuff musically. So my, my whole thing was going, okay, well, I know they already have a palette score wise all that meant at that point was just sort of knowing where to place the score uh but yeah but usually nine times out of ten i mean even because we were discussing hot zone earlier and i knew i knew that um uh scott free and um nat geo you know they they wanted to do as much as they could to 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 really put out a refined piece, at least for the opener, you know, and, and, and their production value I felt was the greatest at the opening, particularly of that pilot, you know? So it just seemed like, Oh, I'm going to, I think we used like a piece of Max Richter, you know, that was like pretty rhythmic. And I just know going to not even really knowing a lot of his catalog, just being an editorial forever. And you know, the, 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 the scores people throw out at you. And a lot of times you get, I, most of the time I'm going to say you get a lot of cliche, suggestions particularly from directors and producers and whatnot because they they sort of know what they're going for but many times they're not very specific in in giving you certain things and a lot of times when they do it's not very good i mean i i had you know i was on a show that had a lot of magic in it and uh, i was told at one point to you like witches of eastwick and I, I i you know and this was not too long ago so i remember even getting that note being like okay that's a dated reference you know because i you know i remember witches of eastwick and i even took the time to go listen to the soundtrack and i was like yeah it feels pretty fucking dated you know like, <laughs> i mean you know i mean a lot of sort of like premiere like cable streaming stuff you know that that i've been involved with more I got to say a lot of times it sort of played to the, to the realism of shows. So I typically try to find, I mean, I, I'm fortunate to be able to find something that's, you know, sophisticated and have it meet up with, you know, what show I'm on, thankfully a lot of times, but sometimes I'm on comedies and I got to find like, you know, sort of dirty raunchy cues. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, 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 yeah. And yes, I mean, I, it's, it's, it, it goes without saying, I mean, I've I, my, one of probably the earliest passion of mine was, was music. So I've, I've had this thing where it, it, even as a kid, when I'm just listening to stuff, like it, it evokes imagination or like, you know, some sort of sequence or maybe even a short piece of storytelling, you know? So I've, you know, I've always, uh, I, I've always sort of like heard stuff and been like, oh, like that's a cool piece of music. And and sometimes I, you probably find listening to music too. That's like, there's like music that's good, you know, and there's just random music. And but then there's things that I feel are very transcendent, whether they be a piece of, whether they be like a song or whatnot. Sometimes they have the characteristics that lend themselves to be like perfect for a show. You know what I mean? Uh, whereas you know. Uh, I don't know. Like even certain, like I remember Cigaros was pretty big when I was on Manhattan. And then when I started listening to them, listening to why everyone was big on them, I'm like, Oh, it's just because their style of music is very conducive to be able to just drop underneath, you know, a scene. And, you know, Trent Reznor, same thing. It's like, you know, a lot of these guys work in these like big music beds where they sort of vamp and it's not very, it doesn't interfere with the, pictorial aspect of what's going on, you know? So, you know, and I, at least for myself, just to keep my wits about me and to stay sharp with music, I've never, I, I, I don't preach this, but I've never jumped into something thinking I'm going to use this piece of music I use from this other show, which I feel like, you know, I remember we're like when Get Shorty was like a big soundtrack, you know, and I'd, I'd be like on four different shows in a row. And they're like, hey, let's use the Get Shorty soundtrack. And I'm like, I'm not going to fucking use Get Short. <laughs> well, it's like, a, you know, it's like the Sicario. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, I mean, perfect that, modern example. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So given that you are someone that can say you're a musician, you can actually communicate 
or talk about the songwriting process or can recognize notes maybe or is it easier for you i guess to communicate with the composer and also has there been instances where you've come across say challenges or maybe you don't agree on things and oh for certain i mean the, the challenges yeah i mean because you know i'm i'm at ground zero so if i get really excited about a piece of music and i cut it in and it works you know i've i've effectively taken a job away from or, or at least I've, I've, I've filled that role that someone else has been hired to do, at least in that section. If I go about and then do it for the entire episode and then I do it again for every episode, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. From time to time, you know, I've, I've had instances where, you know, I, I, I not to get into arguments or whatever, but I can sort of tell, you know, maybe music supervisor or something is not, you know, just sort of feeling kind of slighted, you know, but, but, but I don't, do anything to like deliberately piss people off. I mean, and, and I, I feel like I'm friends with every music supervisor I, I've worked with. So I'm not, you know, I, I mean, a lot of times it's, it, it's creating the challenge to like, you know, come up with the stuff that's right. Cause I mean, like I've, I mean, I remember on one episode of the following, it was just, we were just having a very difficult time with an opening. And once I realized that the edit was in place, I was astounded at how many phone calls I was having with the composer um, and just working in process with him to go over, you know, cues, you know, and it's, you know, typically that's reserved for the showrunner, you know, but, you know, sometimes you get a work environment where, you know, you, 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 you know, you strike up a relationship with a composer and a lot of times, you know, you, you get into this comfortable zone where, you know, you know, cause that, that show, was was kind of fascinating because I could I could talk one on one with him, you know, and kind of influence him to just scrap this fucking cue and like let's start over and then, you know, in in this particular instance instance we were going back and forth where like you know he would give me something and I'd kick it back and then you know I would just. I would go like out of the box thinking and grab like a piece of opera music, you know, and, and just throw it into a scene that literally had no business working it. But it's, but it's like, we were trying to, we were trying to attain just a certain, or at least heighten what we were doing to, you know, to, uh, to, to a level that, you know, you know, was not necessarily there from the start, you know? And I mean, you know, I remember, Cause I, you know, I was working with Kevin Williamson on that show. He's a showrunner. He's a great guy. Uh, he's very demanding, but he's great. And I remember seeing the frustration in his face cause he, he knew that, you know, he had given me notes and then he even stepped away. And then I had been like literally working for a month. Um, and you know, he was giving me sort of the usual, uh, you know, convictions and speech and whatever. And I just kind of stopped in mid sense. I'm like, Hey, like, just, just listen to this, you know? And we hit play. We got done watching the teaser, and he was like, "Oh fuck me! Like that was great." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Wow! Like that was like that was in and of itself very rewarding." But it, uh, you know, but but you know, it, 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 you know, I was involved in that because, you know, I was I, I, I was able to convey to my boss that I sort of, I, I sort of knew what the, the correct treatments were overall. And in many cases, a lot of times, you know, they can recognize an editor or two or someone, it could be the music supervisor or even a post producer. Um, and then go like, Hey, you know, let's, let's expand this person's role and let's, let's get them more involved. Cause there's, you know, there's a lot of frustration sometimes when you, you get to that point and you're, you're hoping the music is going to like, just take it over the top. And, you know, sometimes you, you need to work at it and it's, it's not to do to any fault. It's, I mean, it's, it's like anything else. I mean, sometimes composers get thrusted into a situation and, and they don't necessarily know how problematic it is. And, you know, and, and you do a lot, a lot of revisions and, and whatnot. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's I I I I I I've had both instances where it's it's like I've been relied heavily on to sort of like, you know, I mean, I was on one show where I was third editor on, and we turned in the cut, and they were struggling with music from one and two, and the showrunner came in, and he's like, "Can I have the composer come in here, and you could sit with him, and you could show him the cues you used?" And I was like, "Yeah, like no problem." I mean, for me, that's extremely flattering, and I know I've. I've just earned a bunch of job security at that point. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, a lot of it too is just, 
is, is, is doing just that, like passing along the information and working with the other person. I mean, it'd be one thing if the composer came in, I was like, Hey, look, look at all this fucking great shit. But it's like, I've, I've never viewed it as that because ultimately, you know, ultimately you want everyone, you know, you know, uh, sort of being in agreement or at least feeling good about it. You know I mean? It's, it's a collaborative medium. I mean, and in TV particularly, it's not, it's not necessarily any one person's baby, you know, and it's, I think the more you can work in one is, is good, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, 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 it's sort of one of these undefined things that no one tells you about editing because, you know, a lot of it is just perceived as picture editing, but, you know, you mentioned the politics early on, but there's, you know, there's things like music where particularly when you're, you know, in a pilot and just you're working in these cutting rooms every day. And, you know, a lot of times for security reasons, too, you're not even allowed to release stuff. You know, you sort of have to like talk to the composers on what's going on. And, and, you know, I find the shows that do the best involve music people right from the get go. So it never feels like, Oh, Hey, the picture editor figured out what the music is. Now he's going to let all the music, all the music people know, you know, if, if we're all in there from the very beginning, then we're all, you know, working more in unison, you know. Totally, man. No, I agree with you about, like, I think, uh, I don't think people talk about enough about music and how it applies to editing. They don't. Absolutely. You know, from the, simply from just a storytelling point of view, and but also Mm -hmm. like, yeah, how then that also, the relationship with the other departments and dealing with the music supervisor, uh, the composer. I mean, like, it's just kind of all these things that, uh, you know, make up the, the aspect of music. You know, I mean, it, it could be even defined to me at least simple as this. You know, if I'm looking at a scene, but let's say it's an opening, it's a really important moment. And it's like, maybe I have limited footage, you know, and I'm looking at it going like, okay, I got this shot. I got this, this, but we got to convey something that's, that's really big, you know? And I mean, I think a lot of times, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think a lot of times, a lot of picture editors aren't going like, I need a fucking kick-ass piece of music right now. Like I can't start doing anything until I find this right fucking music. Cause that, I think that's creatively a lot of times which just sort of launches you off, you know, into fulfilling that idea, whether it's finding something that's rhythmic and you know, okay, like now I could do something rhythmic because, you know, I got limited shots, but I've added, you know, this other element with this song, you know what I mean? Or, or piece like I, I, you know, I mean, not to reference the hot zone again, but me and you know it. So, like, I, you know, I, I knew, you know, what they were going for in the opening. So I wasn't going to put, like, you know, anything that sound canned or, you know, it's like I, I, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times what we're putting in sounds bigger and is more ambitious than what we get in the end product when it's all said and done. And there could be a million reasons why it came out that way. But, you know. I, for, you know, that's one of the things I embellish in the most where it's like, we can do whatever, you know, and, and even if it is an expensive piece of music, if the studio loves it, then I, I just made the right decision. And now, you know, the producer's got to figure out how to pay for it. And that's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me. Yeah. I mean, you're selling because ultimately you are selling, you know, I mean, that's a part of our storytelling, you know, so Good point. particularly with pilots, you know. Matt, I also wanted to touch on something that, you know, I, I, I've learned from you just from the time that I, short time that I did work with you, but um, uh, this idea of kind of like, you know, kind of standing up for yourself and, and standing up for your assistant, um, you know, one thing that, that our mutual friend John said before I went to work on Hot Zone was that, man, first I remember the call he gave me, he's like, dude, you want to uh, go on the show with me? Uh, Matt's going to be on it. And uh, someone else that we all know, um, it's going to be a great time. And, 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 and he's like, I, he would, he told me, I, I would always work with Matt Cullen. Like that. I don't care what the show is. Like if Matt Cullen calls me, like I'm going to work with him because he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's a, he's obviously a, a, a great dude, but he's like, I remember he telling me, he's like, he is someone that will always have your back. What is it? Why do you think it's again, important uh, for us both as editors and assistants to stand up for us ourselves. There's obviously a union that represents us. Absolutely. And, and also how do we then uh, as editors also then condition or teach our assistants to, to, you know, to follow those, you know, say guidelines that has been established by the union and you know, how, why is it important to simply pass that down? Yeah. Uh, no, for sure. Uh, I mean, cause I, for me, it's important because, 
you know, I feel like most jobs you get hired for, you know, might probably includes a job description going into it, you know, and I think where's there might even be an official job description for us in the union somewhere like there's, you know, the, you know, the career long commitment to be able to do this, you know, needs to come with, I feel uh, it's a certain standard of, of how we do things, you know, and, you know, ironically, we could do a lot of creative things editorially or whatnot to tell the story, but like, you know, storytelling hasn't really changed a whole a lot, you know, in, in, you know, the centuries. So it's, you know, and, and how we're sort of perceived and what our roles are, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, you, you go into a job, every job's different. I mean, if I'm getting hired by the showrunner, I know, most people there know I got hired by the showrunner, you know, but if I'm just getting hired along with like two other editors and we're all new, you know, I think it becomes even more incumbent to sort of, you know, sort of display a sense of professionalism, but also sort of know like what we're required to do, what we're not required to do, you know, and when to be able to tell, you know, I'm not going to single them out, but particularly post producers like, Hey, like, if that's great, you want to do that, we should hire this person and we should do that, you know, and this, cause you know, it's, and I don't think a lot of people are doing it to be malicious, but you know, sometimes in high pressure situations, you know, uh, you know, the spending becomes an issue. And like a lot of times, you know, it's deemed like we're just going to be doing a lot of stuff, you know, or, or we're going to be spending a lot of hours or, or this and that, you know, and it's becomes very important to sort of know, when to roll with it and when to just stop dead in your tracks and be like, Hey, you know, we're not going to do this or like, that's not how it's done, you know? And, and for the most part, you know, it's, it's never really an issue I'm dealing with creatively. I feel like it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's workplace rights and, you know, and you're, you're dealing with producers for the most part. And as I mentioned earlier, like you're on a set, you're surrounded by different departments. When you come to post, it's just us and, a, and, a, you know, and a producer and, you know, and the post-production staff. So I feel like we have to sort of maintain that ownership that like, look, we're the creative people here, you know, and, and, and I'm being tasked to think of things creatively and I'm going to do things within the realms of what I feel is reasonable, and, uh, you know, and, and knowing, you know, like I get into discussions with post producers and we're starting a new show. And next thing I know, they're talking about recaps and that kind of stuff. And I always wait for them to say how they're, they're going to compensate the assistance because again, there's a lot of perceptions about post-production. And I feel one of them is that the assistant editors to earn their keep or, or to show how good editors they are, they get to cut recaps, you know, and, uh, you know, and I find most of the time producers acknowledge that right away and they're willing to set up a compensation, you know, but sometimes it's, it's not even, ish, it's not even uttered. And those are the moments I resent because I'm like, okay, they know they can't do this, you know, and I'm always the one to be like, Hey, how are you going to compensate the assistance? You know, and, and there's been shows where there's been a back and forth and sometimes I'll just acquiesce and be like, you know what, fuck it. I'll just cut the recap myself. You know what I mean? There's definitely moments where, you know, like one show specifically, like I got into it with a post producer because, uh, you know, long story short, they just wanted, to, you know, what turnovers are, you know, and every time we were doing turnovers, they were making her do full turnovers, which makes zero sense, you know, and, you know, I just got into this discussion or, you know, or some producers get caught up with like, you know, speed, how quickly people could do certain things. And, you know, I, that, that, that just makes me crazy, you know, and, you know, and I, I find myself arguing with someone who's finding fault with someone who've, who's been assisting me for like six years with no problems, you know? So it's, it's at that point where I'm like, okay, well, I know now based on my use of experience and whatnot that, you know, this producer I'm dealing with doesn't know what they're talking about. Like they, they shouldn't be, you know, mandating these things. It's causing more work, you know, and, there's times where you just got to, you know, walk in that door, or close, close it behind you and be like, Hey, like we got to sit down and talk about what's going on. And it's, it's just important, particularly nowadays too, where I feel like our workflow is going to change now because of, you know, COVID and whatnot. I mean, I, I feel like the industry's evolved yet again. So it's, you know, I, you know, I'm amazed sometimes I get on shows where I, I defer, do research on who, you know, is going to be joining me in the editorial team, or at least in the post-production. And, um, you know, and, you know, I, usually everyone's above board and it's fine, but it's, 
it is it's very important i mean to just sort of know what the procedure is you know whether you know just having something simple as an assistant in your room or not or if you want to you know or you know i mean it's you can't just be a total pacifist you know and and sort of take everything that comes at you because that's not what our job is you know what i mean well, being also kind of familiar with the contracts, right? I mean, like, I mean, I, I know of oh, situations yeah. where, like, <laughs> where, like, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, I mean, without getting too like specific, you know, but I mean, like, you know, certain situations where, you know, okay, they have to give you if they're gonna, you know, cut you off, they have to give you a certain no amount of notice. Yes, um, mm -hmm. you know, all these things that I I didn't know, and then suddenly a situation comes up, and if someone doesn't tell me, hey, man, like, you can't do this. Oh, shit, I didn't know this. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. People who know how things are run and are good at their job, I, I usually never I, – I don't deal with these things with them. You know, it's, it's you know, it's I, – I, honestly, a lot of times it's akin to certain studios because I know they're hiring producers that are out there, you know, to basically – help with the editors but they're looking out for their budget and the studio's best best interest you know and and when you're constantly dealing with someone who's coming from that perspective it's it's really tough you know and and a lot of times you have to deal with this sort of ignorance on their part too where it's like if we didn't know what the rules were you know because that happened to me too where i'm you know i sort of getting let go and then told i'm being brought back at a certain time and i'm like well hey you can't do that. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, first of all, you got to give me, you can't just stop paying me tomorrow. Like you got to take me to the next five days because that's a union rule. And you know, you'd, you'd be surprised at how many producers I hear go like, Oh really? I need to call human resources. And it's like, okay. Like and, and those are moments where I get really agitated because I don't know if, if they're playing a game with me or if they're just being passive aggressive, you know? And, and to me, it's annoying because it's all there black and white. Like, you know, I, one of my biggest nuisances is people wanting to come in during lunch and just work through fucking lunch. Well, I got food oh, sitting on man. my, on my yeah, desk yeah. and right there on my union calendar, it says working through lunch <laughs> is not considered <laughs> highlighted circles. <laughs> no, and, and it's like, you know, when I, when I'm dealing with producers that don't want to liaison for us and tell, you know, and like book times or tell the EP like, Hey, or we need to coordinate what's the best time for you. You know I mean? It's, that's the thing I'm willing to work. Around anything, it's just you know. Let's the rules are there. Let's just stop pretending that we forgot what they were. You know what I mean? So it's and that's that's yeah. I don't know if they think they're going to get things done sooner or posted quicker or like I don't. You know, I I got into this argument on one show because you know now editors are cutting blocks. We're not doing rotations anymore. You know, and you know I got into this argument and finally the producers like look. I crunch the numbers. It's just cheaper for you guys to cut blocks. And I'm like, oh, that's that's what ultimately is deciding, you know, I'm saying this decision. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. So sometimes you, you know, creative differences butt up with commerce and you know, you just gotta go, okay, I'm fucking cutting two episodes back to back now, I guess. <laughs> and also like uh, as assistants, I mean assistants can be put in a weird situation. Obviously, they're someone that's trying to say move up. Yep. You know, they, I mean, sometimes are more, you know, kind of have to play along more and maybe don't have such a strong voice as, as a, an editor. Yeah. It can be intimidated and, you know, maybe say simply like the idea of asking for overtime. Absolutely. You know, those, Absolutely. like those things, yeah. especially that, you know, it's like, they're, I've, I've seen it where they come to me. Should I, should I ask for it? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, oh, I, I think a lot of times it's just being, you know, just straight with people. And, you know, it's, if there's, it's a, you know, if you know, you've been there since early in the morning and your producer sort of breaking down what has to happen by the end of the day, you got to be the first person to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, uh, you know, we're getting into my 12 hour roughly around, you know, nine, 10 PM. So, I'm assuming this is going to take like four hours. Are you talking, we're going into OT for, you know, four or five hours. And, you know, it's, those are the things that make them recoil the most, you know? So it's, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of times they're trying to fit things in for convenience and whatnot and sort of stressing too much short term about what's going on because, you know, I, and that, that's the thing that bugs me a lot of times too. It's like, I've done s enough shows to know like what the process is, how much turnaround we need and, you know, roughly an idea how much things are going to cost. So it's, you know, it's, it becomes very frustrating when it's just like, I know there's not a huge rush, but you know, we're, we're, we're acting like it or, 
or, you know, or post producers trying to jump the gun on something. And I know my showrunner does not want to do that, you know, and a lot of times I got to, you know, be the bearer of bad news and be like, yeah, well, I know you want to do that, but why don't we call you know, our boss's office first just to confirm, you know, and then, you know, I mean, it's, and it's not, it's not trying to cause trouble or put your boss in between your producer. It's just, you know, I, you know, it's, and again, for the most part, everyone's typically working on the same page, but they're, you know, there are those moments where you need to throw out the key phrases like overtime or sixth day or something, you know, in order, in order to sort of know that, okay, they're going to take care of me knowing that I'm going to go into this, you know, cause I, I, for some reason, I feel like a lot of these things are just given second thought, you know, or it's just, we're going to do it because we're here or, you know, it's just expected or whatever. Like, I don't, uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I know they operate differently on set, you know, we're part of the same IA as, 90% of people on set. So it's, they do make a lot of exceptions for editorial, but there's, you know, I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, in a nutshell too, life's too short. I mean, honestly, it's like, we're going to be on this thing short term for the most part. So, you know, it's, you know, and, and I, yeah, I mean, it, it's like, you've, you know, we've all sort of done our fair share. So you kind of know, like, you know, when you're dealing something and some, someone's above board and someone is just like, oh, like, you know, I know this is going to be an argument. You know, I mean, I've, I've been on one show where, you know, they wanted to bring back my assistant for 20 bucks less a week. And it's like, well, we're supposed to expect not only annual increases, but it's kind of expected, you know, we go a second season or third season, you know, you're going to get a little more in compensation. So it's, you know, it, it, that was a situation where I knew my assistant was too intimidated with the moment. And I, I sort of took up, you know, on her behalf and just had to go and close the door behind me <laughs> and talk with the producer. You know I mean? And that, that's a good asset to have. I mean, I know one of my biggest frustrations is knowing a lot of assistants who are really good at their job, but you know, and I can't blame anybody, but they want to be editors, you know? So it's, it's tough because there used to be a solid decade line in place where you just honed your assistant craft, you know what I mean? And, 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 and kind of by then people and showrunners sort of knew of you because you've, you know, you've been around, you've been doing good work, yada, yada, yada. And a lot of times now I'm, I'm the most experienced person on staff. So it's like, what is this producer going to do? Look at me and, and tell me I'm yeah. fucking crazy. Like, you yeah. know, yeah, so. totally. Well, that's good, man. It's <laughs> no, I mean, that's awesome. You do that and you look out for people and, and, I, I mean, I certainly appreciate it. I know, like I said, John does and everyone else does. So that, that's awesome that you do that, dude. Yeah. I think it's very important. And I think it's very important to, to teach that to also other people. Well, just one, one last thing, dude. I mean, we, t we talked about it uh, earlier. Obviously, we're at this weird time. And we, I asked you about, we we're all thinking about like going back to work. When is that going to happen? Um, but one thing I think we know for sure is that things are going to change. The, the, the industry is changing. We're probably... Well, no, we're going to be working from home. What do you think is the future of the industry, specifically post-production? And also, you know, um, regarding the union, I mean, or, or, or our rights, I mean, what do you think is some things that we should look out for um, as editors and assistants? Um, well, one thing is I feel like we should be looking out for, and, and again, working with a good post-producer I'm fortunate enough to work to now, he's the first one that sort of brought up, you know, now that we're working from home, you know, we're going to be incurring expenses that we didn't have before, you know, and I know when we go into negotiation as editors, whether you're representing yourself or you have an agent representing you, you know, it's good to sort of know, you know, you want to ask for a really competitive rate. You want to negotiate for a rate uh, and kit rental is always part of it. Um, and now I feel like I don't know how it's going to play itself out, but something akin to expanding upon what the kit rental is, is going to be very is, is, you know, of the utmost importance. Uh, it's going to be essential. I mean, I know for myself, I, you know, I don't have to do a huge upgrade, but I'm going to have to upgrade my, you know, broadband here. Uh, you know, my system's a little outdated. Um, and based on the remote system, my show's pitching, I don't need an Avid's because I'm going to be tapping into an Avid. And I have a feeling that's the way it's all going to go. I mean, as far as workflow, that's something that remains to be seen a little bit too. Because one thing that I found is frustrating was I, I felt like I was doing a little more assisting work, just working on my end, you know, and having an assistant remotely. And that just might have been a process of just having to figure out what's the most e efficient way. But I have a feeling 
I mean, ideally we can get past the COVID thing and get to a place where we're actually in rooms again. But I feel like, you know, not that it's a silver lining by any means, but, you know, I think what's it at least done, it's forced us into the ability to be able to work from home. And, you know, the, and the amount of hours we work, I hopefully feel like this is going to change too, where there's finally going to be an acknowledgement of how many hours in the day, you know, we log in. Cause uh, I mean, within the course of a 12 hour day, I know that if I stop down at seven, you know, commute home, that could be anywhere between an hour to two hours. You know, I'm either going to burn that time at work and burn myself out or try to get home, get a little more relaxed and then pick up those hours again. You know, the dream for me would be to like, we establish remote systems for everyone to get past the COVID thing. And then once we get to a place where, you know, we can get in a room together, you know, whether it's for spotting sessions or whatnot, or just, you know, because some showrunners and directors are going to want to sit in a room that just, you know, that just goes without saying. So I, I feel at least we could finally have the luxury of studios acknowledging that this is how we work, because this is always something, this was part of the security issue. Oh, don't tell me you're taking a hard drive home. Like, I, I didn't hear about this. You know, it's like, well, no, like I'm either going to get this done at my home, at my house later on tonight, you know, so it's, or it's not going to get done by the morning <laughs> or, or I'm going to charge you for fucking overtime. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think in a nutshell, like, yeah, trying to expand on what you're getting this kit rental. Cause we're going to be facilitating more from home. Plus, you know, there's a savings there too, I would imagine, because studios aren't paying for leases. Which I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen how much a lease of Lantana costs, but it's no, it's not I fucking cheap, dude. No, no, yeah, you know, and you know, people like me that piss and moan want their own parking. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so parking. You know, a lot of shows want to pay for lunches because they want to keep you in the house, so they don't have to pay for your lunch. You know, I mean, so th they're already off the bat, like, oh yeah, not spending a lot of money any month. So I, I feel like. And this is going to be a negotiation, too, where, you know, there'll probably be some standard developed, but everyone's going to have to, like, you know, sort of negotiate terms that's sort of unique to them. You know what I mean? My hope is that at least production days will be slightly shorter, you know, and that they'll open up our schedules a little more. I, there's one thing that no one's ever been explain, able to explain to me ever in, you know, the 20 plus years I've been doing this is why do we have to work such long days? Like, I, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, maybe it's just a budget thing and they foresee those extra days being that much more. But I mean, you know, that would be a fair argument if every show you started on has been perfect from the very beginning. And it's never it's always a trial. You know, it, it, you know, shows that run smoothly, you know, take a season or two to run smoothly. You know, what I mean, so it's. You know, what I mean, it's like they they pay for it in overtime and stuff anyway. So it's it's always been a a silly thing that they never really wanted to acknowledge. But this, you know, I'm getting a little more political now. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting going, get him going. That'll <laughs> be part so, two. Yeah, part two. <laughs> any post producer that hears this can be like, oh, oh we man. don't want to hire Max. Listen to what a ass he's going to be. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, hey, no, thanks, thanks for 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 being uh, for for doing this, man. I, I totally appreciate it, and and just it was awesome, kind of kind of getting to know more about you um, yeah. as an editor, you know, because like I said, we we hung out and and talked about everything else, but I think uh, I wanted to kind of know more about you, like uh, you know, and and your uh, kind of history, your experience here, in, in just in the post production world. I'm sure, as you shared with us today, a lot of stories and experiences. So I hope that uh, it was cool hearing it, and I just hope uh, people can learn from it. You know, and it's like this is the idea of this uh, program and, and just this podcast is people can learn from other people's experiences. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you could have got me in a room with like industry professionals, like just even sit and have a lunch with like, you know, when I was coming out of film school, I would have been like, OK, like this is the kind of shit I need to hear, you know, because I mean, I think, you know, I, I think we, a lot of people get in the, into this with a lot of ideals, which is good because I, I feel that's very motivating. But yeah, there's just the the nuts and bolts, the day to day stuff that we do. That you know, you know, it's 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 good to get some insight. I mean, I, the fact that you're doing this, I think, is fucking great, dude. I mean, it's you know, I mean, I, I would have been all over this back in '95. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks, man. I appreciate your time, dude. And I hope that uh, we can go back to seeing uh, LAFC game soon. Oh, yeah. I was so looking forward oh. to that this year. 
maybe next year. Uh, and, uh, I know what, that is a tough one. Yeah. Man. It, was <laughs> it was so fun. Uh, Matt, Matt Colonna, thanks for uh, being here in the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. We totally appreciate it. Awesome talk. And uh, yeah, like I said, man, I hope we can hang out soon. Oh, I do. Likewise. I'm looking forward to it, man. Thank you for having me on. Can you... Cheers. Always fun talking to Matt Colonna. Uh, not only is he a talented editor and a talented musician, but he's just an overall great guy and that's always looking out for his peers. So I want to thank Matt Colonna once again for, for sharing all his experiences and, and advice. Some great information there for sure. And since we talked about music today, I just want to send a quick shout out to my homie Jesus the Punk for providing the music for the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Jesus the Punk, one of San Diego's best house music producers and DJ. Make sure to check him out. I got all this information in the show notes. Jesus the Punk coming out of San Diego, California. Thank you for listening to episode five of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And check out HollywoodEditingMentor.com for more information on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Hasta la próxima. See you next time.